Are your clients asking about the employee retention credit, R&D tax credits, cost segregation, energy credits or deductions, or the work opportunity credit? Do you lack answers or expertise in your firm to serve these specialty tax incentives? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, TriMerit, later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. This is Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where if our story includes a prostitute, that prostitute's gonna live. We haven't lost a sex worker yet. I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. So, Caleb, I wanted to start today's episode by reading a very nice review that we got on Apple Podcasts, if I may. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. So check this out. Uh, the username was Yomang256, and Yomang256 says, Great podcast with great explanations and great selection of frauds, all with a sarcastic sense of humor that I can jibe with. I like that they focus on some of the lesser-known frauds. The stories are well told and have uh, a great take on the accounting principles involved. Keep them coming, and thanks for the content. Well, that's Nice and cool. Thanks, Yomang256. Uh, we love it when people love us. Love us? No. <laughs> love us and leave us a review. Love us love us and leave a review on Apple or Spotify or America Online. You know, wherever you can leave reviews on podcasts. We, we love it when uh, y'all do that. And, and you know, if you, if you leave a review like that, then maybe Greg will read it on a future episode. And that's got to be worth something. I'd, I'd hope it'd be worth something to somebody. My mom's going to start leaving reviews just because she... Aww. Yeah, because that's... Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Greg's mom. Maybe maybe her username is Yomang256. I don't know. I don't keep up with that kind of stuff. But and anyways, enough with the shameless self-promotion. Uh, let's get into day, today's case. And to do that, I was wondering, Caleb, what yes. foreign countries have you visited and Canada doesn't count? Wait, why doesn't Canada count? Be, because it's just... The, it's basically North Dakota. Oh, I mean, but you get a stamp in your passport. The, true, you do. But <laughs> you don't get a, one a, when a, you go to North Dakota. No, but no one cares about your stamp for Canada. That's why. Right, that's fine, why. Fine. You're not okay. going to be at the party and pull out your passport and say, "Hey, guys, check this out." Canada entry point, Vancouver. Okay, fair. All right. Um, yes, Canada, uh, Mexico. Uh, I had to write them down. Uh, Mexico, Jamaica, Cayman Islands, Nicaragua, Scotland, England, Iceland, Ooh. Ireland, Italy, France, Spain, and the Netherlands. And I might be missing one, but like that's so basically, you know, North America and Europe. That's what I got. Yeah, what that's a, what a, that's a pretty uh, exotic list uh, uh, for me. I don't know if exotic is the word I would use, but anyway, well, I do want to know where you've been, Greg. <laughs> It is to me. So besides okay. uh, Canada, I've been to Mexico. I've been mm -hmm. to Colombia, South America, and I've been to the Philippines. That's it. Uh, oh. The U.S. and four, four foreign countries, and that's See, even if you do include Canada. You know what, though? You know what, though? You got three continents. Good point. You've got Three what? continents. Two. Two? I mean, okay. I, it depends on how you classify right. Central America. 
That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think technically, I think according to the risk board, Central America is part of North America. So <laughs> probably I think you're right. <laughs> but as, as yeah. has been established, if I just may raise one important point, I think we've pretty well established that our geography is for shit on the show. So yeah, if there's it, an error it's, in there, yes, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, I'm sure there's an error of some kind. Yeah, and and my my geography is based mo- mostly uh, on the game risk. So if I hmm. cite Kamchatka or Siam, that's that's the reason why. Um, but when you were in your foreign countries that you were in, uh, were you were you aware while you were there? Were you aware of any bribery that transpired uh, on your trip, either in your party or? adjacent to your party and were you ever offered any drugs or prostitutes um bribery not that i can recall you know tipping like especially like in you know it just depends on the culture right like tipping is you know yeah helpful (laughs) Uh, so whether Mm -hmm. that's a bribe or not is a matter of context i suppose uh but not like hardcore bribery where i'm like uh if uh, if I give you a hundred dollars, will I stay out of jail? Like nothing like that, right? And uh, as far as the other questions, I have been offered drugs in many places, both domestic and abroad, and I've sought drugs in many places, both domestic and abroad, uh-huh. uh, and I've been propositioned a few times, uh, both domestic and abroad. <laughs> so, uh, okay. but the uh, actually it comes to mind at least abroad. The sex workers on La Rambla in uh, Barcelona were especially persistent, as I recall. Uh, But then, you know, you go to the Netherlands where you don't have to seek out drugs or sex. They're just kind of around like everywhere. Right. I mean, and maybe everywhere is a bit of a stretch, but it's, you know, stuff's easy to find. Gotcha. You you uh, again, you seem like you've lived a much more exotic life than me. I'm one of those people who. Uh, the D.A.R.E. program primed mm-hmm. me for a lot more drugs to be offered to me than have ever <laughs> been offered to me. Uh, and and I can't say I've ever been solicited by a prostitute ever. But then again, oh. I'm also very clueless, too. So maybe it happened and somebody was like, do you like to party? And I'm like, totally. OK, see ya. Have fun yeah. at your party. Yeah, uh, that's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's not that's not beyond the realm of possibility that that happened yeah. more than once. Uh, but here's here's what's happened to me while I've traveled yeah. abroad. In my ro- most recent trip to Mexico, uh, and mind you, I was wearing proudly wearing a schoolhouse rock T-shirt. I was oh. offered heroin, which I oh. thought was was like no, <laughs> wow. like somehow clue in to who you who you're talk talking to. Because again, probably. Probably the dude rocking the schoolhouse rock t-shirt, probably not really shooting up in the back alleyways. Um, in terms of bribery, I do have an interesting story about that. Way back when I was in high school, I went I went on one of those uh, church like service project mission trips yeah. where we all get in the church bus and drive across the country to uh, to town border towns in Mexico, mm-hmm. and we you know build a a house for a person who uh, we, we don't know how they were selected, but they were, and they got a house that for most of us middle-class kids in the United States was just a like a really nice shed. So, right. I went, so the first one, of those, I went on several of those. It was weird. The very first one I went on, 
the guy who led the trip told us that he had to bribe the the border patrol, the Mexican hmm. border patrol, to get us into Mexico. And so, you know, so he he bribed he bribed the Mexican border patrol for Jesus. Uh, and oh. I respected that. Yeah. Yeah. Bribing for the Lord. I'm I, I'm all about it. And then and then more recently, just this last December, I went to the Philippines and I was not once but twice asked uh, by two, you know, in two very different uh, circumstances if I was interested in prostitutes, which was a little disconcerting. Oh, I mean, are you interested in prostitutes? <laughs> no, for the third, oh. for the third, t- including both those people in the Philippines for the third time. Including you, no, I'm not. Oh. The, here, listen. Here, here's what. Here's what. This. This was an honest interaction. Okay, I was. I was riding on the back of a scooter, and this guy was taking me to like the shopping district in this town that I was in in the Philippines. Okay. Um. So already it was a little. It felt like a compromising situation. So I give him that. So we're. <laughs> so I'm on the back of a stranger scooter. He's. He's driving me to the to the shopping center and he's like so hey where's your where's your where's your wife and i was like oh i'm not well i'm not married but i didn't get into that but i was like right i I was like well i gotta grow i I didn't get into all my details i was like she didn't she couldn't come and he's like oh do you want me to take you to some girls and i was like no i don't and then he said boys and i was like no i'm right no i'm naturally like literally this is this is literally what i said i said i said no i am very happy in the relationship that i am in right now i said those words to this man riding his scooter with me and Mm -hmm. i I was very out of place especially Mm -hmm. riding on the back of a scooter and and my assumption though is that there's enough like douchebag americans that go to the philippines yeah like sex tourism kind of stuff which just does not sit well with me at all but it must happen enough to where people are assuming that if you're if you're a single uh middle-aged man in the philippines are going i know what this guy's here for let's yeah uh, let's give him what he wants yeah right so hey yeah, I enjoy, but, I enjoyed that story. Uh, but I enjoyed that, that story very much. Not sure it'll make the cut, but <laughs> I enjoyed that story. Well, it better make the cut because bribes and prostitutes are integral to our story today because bribes and prostitutes were used to corrupt pretty much the entire United States Navy. I mean, not technically the entire... I mean, it wasn't the entire Navy, but, but when we get into the story, it's definitely going to feel like it was the entire Navy. All right, our story centers on Leonard Glenn Francis, who grew up on the island of Penang. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's correct. Penang in Malaysia. Leonard's a big guy. People figured he weighed somewhere between 350 and 400 pounds. And I know this is America, and I'm, I'm no judgment, but that's on the big side. So, yeah. No offense to anyone. That's on the that's even on the big side for Texas. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So hence Fat Leonard. All right. So we're gonna Fat Leonard is our man. Okay. The family yeah. business. That's what he was known as. People that's right. Like was, everybody called him that. Everybody called him Fat Leonard. And he worked in the family business. And that family business was supplying merchant ships with food and fuel. We're gonna we're gonna run through a few things here real quick. So First, his mom okay. left his dad 
and his dad was a lazy kind of jerk. Piece of shit, really. Not a good yeah. guy. He, he was he not kinda. He was this guy was a total piece of shit. Yeah. Total, total, total scuzzball. Okay. Um, yeah. And so Leonard, yeah, he, I mean, a, he was, he was abusive. He was yeah. abusive. He was a, he was philandering like, and didn't even care. Like he, he would bring girlfriends to the family home while mom oh. w- and kids were around. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, whatever label you had for that guy, take it up a couple extra notches. Yeah. Whatever that label was, replace it with, with lazy drunk piece of shit. Yeah. There you go. So Leonard, as a teen, ended up being kind of the de facto head of this family business. Again, because his dad is a lazy, drunk piece of shit. And um, part of running this type of business in Malaysia in the 1980s included paying bribes to local officials. And if I understand it correctly, that's just kind of how business gets done. It isn't like corruption, right, is, is kind of the fabric of commerce in a way. Right? Is that fair it, to say? It is. I think that's fair to say. And I think that there's two things at play there because I do believe in in emerging economies, you're gonna be you're gonna find more uh, bribes being required in that setting. But also, I don't know what it is about like like ports, but for some reason, ports <laughs> is like mafia. Yeah, that's like that breeds mafia and mafia type interactions. And so it's I I got I was thinking it was a combination of both of those things. Yeah. So part of the other stuff that young Fat Leonard was doing was he was he'd buddy up with you know sailors that would come through the ports who liked you know booze and some action some ladies, and so he made those connections, and then somewhere along the line he also started associating with some sordid characters who were part of the Chinese gang called the triads. And that's made a turn in Leonard's life because when fat Leonard was 21, he was recruited by some of the triads to be a getaway driver for an armed robbery that they had planned. So he wasn't, he wasn't uh, wielding a gun. He was sitting behind the wheel of the car and they pulled off this armed robbery. They stole a lot of money and they got away with it. And Leonard's cut, he, so it was, they, they stole this money from Leonard in, in an account I heard of him speaking himself. Uh, they stole from what he described as money changers. So the triads kept all the local currency and Leonard's cut was all the foreign currency. And they also gave him all the guns, which uh, was an interesting part. When I first heard that, I was go, that's weird that his cut was the guns that they that the other people used in the armed robbery. But what it turned out happening was that not long after the heist, Leonard was apprehended by the police. They went to his house. They found the guns. They found the money. And Leonard went to prison. And here's the crazy fact. Gun possession in Malaysia at that time was a capital offense. It was, Yeesh. Caleb, it was pun- just having a gun was punishable by hanging in Malaysia. So Leonard didn't get, just get busted. Leonard was on death. All of a sudden, 21-year-old fat Leonard on death row. Man. And obviously, he's distraught, doesn't know what the hell he's going to do. He's turning to every deity that he knows of. Like, literally, he talks about this where he's like, you know, he's covering his bases with his prayers. 
and his mom comes and, and somehow, and it's, it's a little unclear how she was able to make this happen. And maybe this is just because I'm sort of uh, superimposing like a united, an understanding of like the United States judicial system on this. But his mom was able to plead on his behalf before the authorities for his life. And she actually, you know, through tears and through, you know, saying he's a good boy and he was just hanging out with bad people. She convinced the authorities to release Fat Leonard, and he escaped the cold clutches of death. After getting out of jail, it was back to work for Fat Leonard. It's worth noting at this point that Fat Leonard was this big, big, did we mention big? Yeah, we mentioned yeah. big. Yeah, okay. Huh, Fat but Leonard's a big guy? He's huh. a big guy. Yeah, uh, but he's this. He's also a gregarious guy, so likable, right? Fun to be around, yeah. and yeah. he's kind of got this ambiguous racial look to him: Scottish, Sri Lankan, Portuguese. That you know, but then he speaks perfect English, okay, American English, and no detectable accent, right? And so. Yeah. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Trimerit. It seems like every week a new questionable ERC mail pops up offering small businesses a way to get $26,000 from the government for each one of their employees. We've all seen Twitter ads, Facebook ads, ads in podcasts, ads on Instagram, ads on TV shows, and I even personally know a guy here in Utah who's been charged with fraud for false ERC claims totaling $11 million. These questionable ERC mills are coming hard after your clients. If they haven't reached them already, they will soon. And based on the stories I've been hearing from accountants, the IRS will be reaching out to them soon too. This is why when it comes to ERC, it's important to have the right people, the right process, and the right partner. Introducing TriMerit. TriMerit is a team of CPAs, engineers, and attorneys that function as an extension of your tax advisory team. They can help your clients with ERC, R&D tax credits, cost segregation, energy credits or deductions, and the work opportunity credit. And working with them is as easy as one, two, three. One, they offer a no-cost feasibility analysis. Two, they document all tax incentive studies to ensure that your clients meet all requirements. And three, they offer audit representation to ensure your clients aren't left hanging if audited by the IRS. To learn more about adding TriMerit to your team, head over to ohmyfraud.promo slash TriMerit. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash T-R-I-M-E-R-I-T. Using his parents' connections, he kind of, you know, weaseled his way into this 4th of July party at a U.S. embassy. And he started schmoozing with some U.S. dignitaries. He built relationships and began acting like they're kind of their personal concierge. And he hooked important people up uh, with meals at the best restaurants and he scheduled appointments uh, with like very sought after tailors for some sick threads. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Again, that's a weird thing. That's what that that's part of the account is that there were 
people dignitaries in the u.s in these foreign countries and it's like i gotta get this tailor where's this one tailor get and he's like i can get you with that tail and like yeah. you're the best fat leonard right and it is it is a bigger deal than kind of it sounds like because you know you're talking he, he's dealing with americans who have no language skills for this part of the world right and so yeah. he's he's providing a service and he's making it very easy and so the schmoozing really pays off and then he secures a contract with the US Navy supplying smaller ships with fuel and other stuff that they need and that that brings forth the Glenn Defense Marine Asia company that was his company right which seemed like a very easy step from Supply. He, he was supplying merchant ships with his family business, and he just pivoted to to some lucrative. And you know, everybody knows that if you get a government contract, you struck gold. So he just pivoted from what he knew to the next thing that was a better thing through giving these people some, you know, through through you know greasing some wheels with you these bet. people, right? Right. Yeah. And it's interesting at this point to note. None of the stuff he did, none of the stuff that's accounted for in, in the research that I did up to this point would be considered bribery. If right. you got, if you, if you gave somebody, and it didn't say if he just like got people like into these meals. My, my, the way I read it was that he actually paid for some very nice meals at the best restaurants for these people. Mm. But then also just scheduling appointment for like get, helping people get in with a tailor. That's not, none of that stuff's like bribery. That's all no. just, it's schmoozing. I it's think schmoozing that's, and yeah, gift-giving. I think that's called a, I think that's called a favor. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's also called having hustle. A, a lot yeah. of it's just, this dude had a lot of hustle. Yeah, right on. So, at this point, since he got this Navy contract, we do need to give a little bit more context for what the Navy is all about. I do you have any like uh, military family or friends, close friends, um, Caleb? Not like National Guard stuff, but no, no one that I can recall that served like overseas or anything like that. Um, at least. Um, an uncle or two that served in the National Guard and a cousin or two that like did ROTC and National Guard, stuff like that. Yeah. My no girlfriend's sailors. father served actually bo- both in the Army and in the Marines. But personally, I had a buddy who went into the Navy mm-hmm. uh, who, 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 was, who was the best man at my wedding for my failed marriage. So oh. that's, you know, but that was before he was in the Navy. So yeah. everything's very tangential for me. But uh, so so I didn't I didn't know a lot of this stuff. Um, maybe people who are more familiar with, the, especially with the Navy, know this stuff. But here's kind of a primer on the Navy, and that is, and, and I thought this was so interesting. The Navy is amazing at doing what the Navy does when they're at sea. They they have a weakness, and that weakness is when they have to land at a non-U.S. military port overseas. Because in those cases, they just have to dock. They need some supplies, that, you know, and they, and they plan this stuff out. But they'll they'll have to go there. But again, if it's not a U.S. military base or a U.S. military port or even a, some sort of U.S. port that they're overseas that they're they're docking at, they're at the mercy 
of contractors that they find to help them get the stuff they need. People like Fat Leonard. And they need everything. For, you know, we already talked food and fuel, but some other things that I was unaware of. The Navy vessel gets into this port. They Apparently, they don't even have their own dinghies to get them from the ship to the shore. So mm. part of what these contractors do is they supply people. They, there are stories about how the locals would hire turtle fishermen in, in the turtle fishermen's boats, and the turtle fishermen would would just shuttle the guys back and forth from shore to the boat. Um, huh. And Otherwise, another, they'd have to swim. Another interesting thing. They, <laughs> right. Right. And you know, I mean, one thing you know about Navy guys, can't swim. Yeah, afraid of the water. Horrible at swimming. Terrified. Yeah. Terrified. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the other thing, and this was something I, it makes perfect sense once it was pointed out, but these ships, when you're out at sea, there's no fresh water. So these ships have these gigantic tanks just to hold fresh water. And when they get into port, they just need someone to supply them with fresh water. So they they need they have all the needs to keep a bunch of humans alive while they're out in the middle of the ocean for a long, long time. Fat Leonard was people Fat Leonard and people like Fat Leonard were the people that they need. So then Add that to the fact that in 1991, the uh, the the Philippines, the country where I've been to, uh, mm-hmm. kicked the U.S. out of their naval base at, at Subic Bay, and so the Navy needed some other similar port in that same geographic region. So Leonard, already having some connections and some success with the Navy, he decided he was going to open up a port in Bali, Indonesia, specifically to serve U.S. Navy vessels who were being displaced out of the Philippines. So again, dude's got hustle. And as I mentioned earlier, part of Fat Leonard doing Fat Leonard's job in Southeast Asia included greasing palms and greasing wheels with bribes and gifts and services, like we said. But what started happening is Fat Leonard increasingly started applying those same necessary tactics in that part of the world, these marketing techniques, if you will. He Mm. started applying those to the Navy. So he started giving money, just cash, to Navy, to sailors and officers in the Navy. He started giving them Michelin star meals, high-end hotel rooms, high-end booze, Cuban cigars, and most notably and most scandalously, prostitutes. And he gave that to anybody in the Navy that he thought, he offered those to anybody in the Navy that he thought was a decision maker or an influencer, like someone who someone who had the power to direct who could say, you know, we do need to we do need to dock somewhere over there in Southeast Asia. I know a guy. Let's head over to that guy, that 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 swell guy, Fat Leonard, who's over there in Bali and uh, and and in Malaysia, and and so that's that's what he started doing. Um, huh. And another fun another fun fact. Didn't know this before, but again, makes perfect sense. Sailors in the U.S. Navy can be punished for accepting any gifts of value larger than twenty bucks. So uh, if he gave so $21 of cash, that's obviously more wait. value than $20. So, like a, so, so if I'm in New York City and I'm walking around and it happens to be Fleet Week and I see a, I see a sailor cruising the city and I just give him a Starbucks gift card for 25 bucks and then he, court he does me offense. a favor. I believe that's a court mar- Yeah. And then- oh. He doesn't he even need to do you a favor. He's or maybe it's a not, woman, but she gets in trouble. Yeah. And, and no favor is required in, in terms of reciprocation. They just can't receive the gift. 
Ah. It's, it's like this. So before I, even becoming an accountant was on my radar, I had a really good friend in college who she she became a CPA. She started working for Ernst and Young out in Seattle, and uh, one of her one of her clients, what one of her audit clients was was REI. You know, do you know the retailer, the outdoor retailer REI? I do. So my friend was working an audit for REI, and I said, I bet you they give you some sweet swag while you're working this audit at REI. And right. she was offended oh. at that question. And she because again, I wasn't I wasn't an accountant at this point. Like I said, it wasn't even on my radar. And she was like, Heavens no, I <laughs> I couldn't take a I couldn't take anything from an audit client because that would impair my independence. independence. And you think about that. Yes. With the because again, it does make sense when you step back and you think about it. The Navy has got to be very concerned about their their sailors and their officers being corrupted sure. by foreign by by anybody. And, and again, we even yes. right. And we talk about like in the accounting profession, we talk about independence and the in 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 uh, what is it in reality and in, in truth and appearance. Uh, whatever uh, what is that it is, phrase? Uh, fact fact and appearance. Th- that's it fact and appearance. I teach ethics and I couldn't dig that phrase out. Uh, the, uh, so, but the same thing seems like it would apply to the Navy where they'd be like, our officers need to not be double agents right. in fact and appearance. So they're right. like, you can't, you can't receive anything over $25. Now you also bring up Makes a good sense. point. How, how well is that enforced? Uh, probably not. So I don't know, because again, if Leonard's handed out Cuban cigars, I'm going to guess every single one of those Cuban cigars is worth more than 20 bucks. And I, if I was somebody in the Navy, I'd just take this Cuban cigar and go, thanks buddy. And smoke it. And I don't think I'd worry too much about getting court martialed for it. So, but to continue with our story, not only was fat Leonard, like in terms of the legitimate work that fat Leonard did, not only was he a supplier to the Navy, he was also a fixer for the Navy. He did a lot of dirty work, like things that were expected by foreign countries, like in the context, in the business environment of these foreign countries. And Mm -hmm. it's stuff that the U.S. Navy couldn't or didn't want to do. Uh, Like I said, it's dirty work. Uh, A lot of bribes. And using Leonard to do that stuff was a way of getting this necessary, albeit dirty work done without the Navy having to feel like it was doing the dirty work. Cause they just say, Hey, get this stuff done. Here's a bunch of money. And they were like, don't, we don't need to know how you get it done. Does walking around. Make sense? Yeah. Walking around money. It's like, you need some walking around money to yeah. do some of these things. I'm sure. So here's some walking around. Yeah. Money. Yeah. It's like, just, just bill us. And we don't need to see, we don't need to see the line items for your budgets that include, you know, how much money was used for for shakedowns and intimidation and right. how much was used for bribery just right. just get it done get the yeah. job done this, you're an independent is, contractor so yeah so fat fat leonard is like ray donovan essentially yeah, okay do you know that, Another you know that show, show, show that i haven't watched but oh okay i think i know ray donovan kicks some ass yeah he's a fixer is hollywood that, fixer yeah okay a, it's a show okay. about a hollywood there fixer yeah. yeah okay so he was dirty a, work. well dirty and, work and here's the thing Leonard's dirty work didn't just include shaking people down and giving bribes. Uh, Leonard's fixing also included getting sailors out of trouble 
when they got in trouble in these foreign ports. Everything from getting sailors out of trouble for getting in fights to getting sailors out of trouble when those sailors committed sexual assault. Uh, So this is where it starts getting a little bit gross and a little bit uncomfortable. He would pay off both officials who tried to... Uh, to try to hold these uh, these wayward sailors to account. And he would even pay off victims just to say, here's some money, so how about this never happened? And he did that all in an effort to keep the Navy's operational tempo humming along while they were at these foreign ports. And all of this stuff that Leonard did, it's clear that he was really, really good. He was very effective at what he did. There was never a time where it was like he wasn't giving them like top-notch service. And, uh, and because of that, the, the Navy, um, he, he made the Navy's shitty and stressful stops at foreign ports uh, hassle-free for these naval officers. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Patriot. Patriot software creates accounting and payroll software that radically simplifies the day-to-day complexities that American businesses and their accountants face. Patriot is seamlessly integrated under one login, easy to use and affordable. And they rank number one for ease of use, customer support, features, and value for the money by users. Patriot's accounting software is a cloud-based, full-featured accounting general ledger that gives your clients the simplicity they need, but the power you require. Patriot has patented dual-ledger accounting, so you can quickly switch between cash basis, modified cash basis, or accrual accounting, and a chart of accounts that can have unlimited sub-accounts and nest up to eight accounts deep. Patriot's payroll software lets you run payroll in three easy steps, offers free two-day direct deposit, and their full-service payroll offers a tax filing guarantee. Accounting professionals can partner with Patriot and receive discounted pricing that increases as you add more clients. Support located in the USA, free co-branding, and free accounting and payroll for your firm. Join thousands of accounting professionals who trust Patriot with their clients' accounting and payroll and get a 30-day free trial. Head on over to ohmyfraud.promo slash patriot. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash p-a-t-r-i-o-t. On October 12, 2000, the USS Cole was refueling in Yemen. And a small fiberglass boat carrying two men and over 400 pounds of plastic explosives approached the coal and exploded. Is That's what explosives do. Uh, this suicide attack killed two men in the boat and 17 U.S. sailors and injured 37 more. And thus began rampant defense spending to protect U.S. troops, which was supercharged less than a year later when the September 11th terrorist attacks occurred. And as a direct result of the attack on the coal, the Navy wanted and needed and demanded increased protection for its boats in these foreign ports because that's exactly the context in which the USS Cole was attacked. May I may I ask you something about that? Because I just, I have to imagine, Please. Like, the boats were probably just sitting out there, right? 
It's like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a big boat. There's a big boat out there. If anybody wanted to, obviously, given the what happened to the coal, anybody could just cruise on up and like, and they're just sitting out there yeah. just bobbing along. So, okay. Yeah. Right. And, well, and, and which you is weird. Think, I mean, the, the USS Colt. Yeah, it is. I weird. mean, 20 years on and more USS than 20 years on. It seems weird. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. I would think <laughs> it would be guarded quite yeah. heavily. Yeah, y- you do. But then you also wonder how that would happen because I would think like, let's say you're in this crowded port. There's going to be other boats going around you. Sure. I mean, again, this is from a guy who doesn't know so much what he's talking about, but I would assume that you're gonna, you're not going to be the only boat in that port. There's going to be other people going around with you. You're the U S Navy. And if somebody just gets a little too close to you, do you blow them out of the water and just say, we told you to stop coming closer to us? Cause that's going to be a that PR nightmare like, yeah, for maybe a slight overreaction yeah. by the U S Navy. In it, that it, case. It does, but it wouldn't have in this case, right. Knowing that there was 400 pounds of pl- 400 plus pounds of plastic explosive and a, tu- and a terrorist and a suicide yeah. uh, attack that was coming your way. So in hindsight, so anyway, so it's, it's definitely a dilemma. It's clearly a problem and a dilemma that right. the U S Navy had in my but, mind, but it's yes. an opportunity. It's an opportunity for fat Leonard. Is it not? Absolutely. Because he was, he was a fixer. He was a yes man. He was going to try to help the Navy do whatever he, he could, as long as they were paying their invoices to him. So in this case, Leonard got creative and he cre- he he included in his menu of offerings to the United States Navy a thing that he called the Ring of Steel which started out as a, a I mean imagine this it's a bunch of 50 gallon drums empty 50 gallon empty and sealed 50 gallon drums so these things could float mm-hmm. they were attached with cables and they would encircle anchored uh ships so it, it was like it, it was, I mean, I don't know if they sell 50 gallon drums at, at Home Depot, but I envision this as a real like Home Depot junkyard, you know, yeah. garage skunk works DIY kind of job that he did. But scrappy, the Navy scrappy liked fat it. Leonard, scrappy fat Leonard. Very, yeah. Well, and again, just as a businessman, this guy, he's being innovative. He's like, mm-hmm. here's a problem. Ah, I can think of a way that we can we can protect these ships. Let's do this. He did it. It worked. It was the first iteration. Those that the the ring of steel that, like I said, started as 50-gallon drums, it evolved to become anchored barges that were attached by very heavy gauged cables. And and so that you kind of open this up, a, a US, you know, Navy ship would would anchor inside of the ring of steel and uh, Leonard would have mercenaries on boats that would be patrolling both inside and outside the ring of steel. And he even would have scuba divers diving underneath to make sure to, to ensure the the safety of these ships. Mm -hmm. And so again, Leonard kicked ass at what he did. He was great at what he did. And he started, he started uh, gathering all these things that the Navy call calls Bravo Zulus, which is just, it's basically a, a naval letter of excellence. Kind of kind of like, hey, this, if, if, you're a, if you're a Navy contractor and you've got Bravo Zulus, that's, that's kind of like a, it's kind of like a Michelin star, I guess, but for, but given by the Navy and for not food. Or maybe a, a merit badge. Okay. Maybe <laughs> a merit badge would be better. But again, it's, it, it definitely, uh, 
validates and legitimizes Leonard's business big right. time. So Leonard started raking in more money and opening up in more ports, including Singapore, Hong Kong, and others. And since Fat Leonard, I just kind of like saying that, don't you? Fat Leonard. It's nice. It's cool. It lands. Yeah, it lands really nice. Fat Leonard was providing excellent service, as we've, as we've mentioned, you know, as well as money, gifts, sex. And to decision makers in the Navy were more willing to direct ships to Leonard's ports. And so Leonard also began submitting, because this is going so well, <laughs> I guess, Leonard starts uh-huh. submitting inflated invoices, which his friends in the Navy approved without any problem whatsoever. Okay. Right. And, and let me let me give a little bit of nuance there too. Yeah. It's not that his, from what, again, this was some of the stuff I, that I really dug into. It's not that his, like every invoice was just, it just automatically rubber stamp approved. What would happen, like he'd, he'd bill like sometimes three times the amount that he should have for something. <laughs> and yeah. he was very much, if somebody was like, hey, this is too high, he'd be like, cool, what should it be? And they'd be like, maybe one third of that. And he'd be like, okay. And then that would, <laughs> that, that was his, that was his mo. So it wasn't. It was very much get out of jail free if he if there was any if if and when the on the rare occasions that there was scrutiny he'd just back off and lower his bill and they'd be like cool, no harm no foul keep going. And Leonard he threw these naval appreciation parties, right? Yeah. Okay. He he was renowned for them. Okay. And they started getting more lavish, and. According and and well, I'm I'm reading the word that Greg wrote here, which is skanky, <laughs> lavish yep. and skanky. And I apparently. think that's a good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that word lands, and I think that's a great description of these okay. of these part these appreciation parties. According to Leonard, uh, at least one such party kind of just ended up being a full blown orgy. So that's yep. something interesting. <laughs> and so um, that's so, so there's that. <laughs> Not only that, but Leonard claims that he also had video cameras secretly installed in karaoke machines, which I don't know how you would do yeah. that, but that seems weird. And um, so seems, seems innovative. This guy was an innovator and eh, eh, a little bit of extortiony, right? So he's got well, he's got compromising. Yeah, think? He's got compromising information. On some uh, uh, some some pretty powerful people in the navy, and uh, yeah, he's got he's got video. He's got the goods. He's got the goods on these people in the navy. Absolutely. Then things start to turn for Leonard. Uh, one day, a lieutenant, a new guy on the scene, noticed that Leonard was charging them for too much fresh water. And Caleb, you may ask. How did this guy know that Leonard was charging them too much for fresh water? Great question. It's because the invoice was for more water than the boat could physically hold. Like this guy knew how like the 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 size of the fresh water tanks on these boats and he's like, "Yeah, this invoice is wrong cuz the, there's not enough room for this much water." 
And so, so he pushed back. He even confronted Leonard about it, and that did not go well because he's like a what he like a junior officer, and mm-hmm. Leonard was like real butthurt that a junior officer would have the gall to you know to confront him about this kind of thing when it's like it, I mean, again, to accountants like us, we go, yeah, that's that's not a gray area. That's there's not you're this is wrong. It's a hundred percent wrong. Fix that. So, so Leonard got butthurt and, and then this guy's superiors even told him they were just like, Hey, shut up, knock it off, get back to your desk. Don't worry about it. So, which Caleb, that's bonkers. This, yeah, because Mm -hmm. his, it's math. It's, it's just math. And his, his seniors didn't have his back on that because arguably they were in fat Leonard's back pocket. Right. And so. Uh, after another inflated invoice for sewage removal, that oh. uh, th- this guy just had enough, and he and he went to the NCIS, which is the Navy Crimes Investigation Service, Naval Crimes Investigation Service, and so NCIS then contacted the commanding officer to follow up on this, and the commanding officer was just like, "Yeah, don't worry, no, no, it's it's fine, nothing's happening here, no big deal." And so the NCIS just dropped it. And then the lieutenant also, after that, informed the NCIS about Fat Leonard's criminal past, his death sentence for gun possession in Malaysia. And here's another fun fact I didn't know, and that is that anyone with a criminal record is precluded from uh, being awarded a Department of Defense contract. So ergo... Fat Leonard just shouldn't have ever gotten any Department of Defense contracts, period, let alone be in a place where he could he shouldn't be he's he doesn't even have the right to give an invoice, let alone give a false or inflated invoice. And then then here's what's totally bonkers to me, Caleb. Wait, One of gets, the many things in more, this case wait, is totally wait, wait, it gets more bonkers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Great. then Fat Leonard, he listen, Fat Leonard was able to use his network of cronies within the Navy to get that lieutenant's position removed. Oh. So this guy was a pain in his ass, and he's just like, yeah, you don't work here anymore. That's that's the kind of power that Fat Leonard had, had a, a, amassed as a fucking contractor to, the, to the U.S. Navy. Amazing. But again, he's bribing people, and and we're going to get to it. That fosters a very strange relationship. So not only this lieutenant was narking out Fat Leonard, but also at this time, other people, uh, it, it, like larger numbers of people started narking out Fat Leonard. The theory is that by this point, we we were into the Obama administration days. The uh, the the threat of ter- the kind of the the hysteria of the terrorist attacks uh, and, and particularly of nine eleven was starting to to reduce, and therefore the military spending was also starting to be re- reduced. So it, it, there wasn't it wasn't the gravy train that the armed forces were on uh, that was born out of nine eleven. 
so that's kind of the theory of why people were starting to 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 analyze his bills and starting to starting to talk about it a little more. But here's here's what happened. Not only this lieutenant, but there there was a total. I'm sure including him of 27 different. Fat Leonard investigations that were initiated by the NCS and all of those 27 investigations were dropped. And you got to think again, it's the same kind of thing that happened with this Lieutenant where the NCIS started looking to it and people in authority were like, yeah, nothing to see here. Everything's in perfect order. So at that point, so 27 initiated and dropped investigations and then comes along this person named Teresa Kelly. She was a civilian naval employee, and her job in the Navy for, for the Navy was to negotiate contracts with companies like Fat Leonard's company. That was her job. And it was obvious to her that Leonard's invoices were inflated. And on top of that, she was not interested in Fat Leonard's money and she was not interested in Fat Lenny's prostitutes. So she wasn't getting in his back pocket. And she, she, she I mean, basically, she had some scruples. So she said, and, and again, this is just, this is so telling of the kind of power that Leonard had. She noticed this uh, these shenanigans going on by Fat Leonard and with his invoices. She sent an email to a colleague about her concerns and suspicions about these invoices. The, the guy that she sent that email to just so happened to be one of Fat Leonard's cronies. So he forwarded her email to Fat Leonard. And then not too long after that, the Thai Navy informed Teresa that Leonard had a copy of the email that she sent to this colleague. So she was furious, and that was a lot of what spurred her to also go to the NCIS and to push them to investigate. And surprisingly, this time they actually did. And in this NCIS investigation, they were able to get one of Leonard's employees, so somebody on the inside of Fat Leonard's company, they got her to wear a bug to a meeting, to wear a wire to a meeting where she recorded another employee admitting to inflated invoices. So this investigation, unlike the 27 other ones, was actually starting to go somewhere. But Fat Leonard had a mole inside NCIS. John... Beliveau. Leonard first met mm -hmm. Beliveau while he served as a bodyguard to an admiral in the West Pacific. Ironically, Beliveau was awarded NCIS Agent of the Year shortly before this all went down, which is perfect. But uh, I love he that also, so much. That's that. That's great. where. That's where you go. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> uh, and and you kind of go okay so this is so this is a made for a made for hollywood movie oh yeah yes i think so so yeah beliveau enjoyed the money and the prostitutes provided by fat leonard and so beliveau informed leonard about the results of this ncis bugging operation but also while he was digging around in the NCIS records on Leonard's behalf, he stumbled upon another huge problem. Right. And this, here's what happened with the other problem. And that's that there's a ship commander's wife. Her name is Marcy uh, Misovich. Mishovitz. It's, it's this, 
It's this weird, I'm sure it's a Czechoslovakian name. It's like Coach Shashevsky. It's impronounceable. And but I think it's Mishovitz. So Marcy Mishovitz. She Mishovitz. Nailed it. Mishovitz. Mishovitz. Good. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by the South Carolina Association of CPAs, also known as SCA CPA. Hey, Caleb, you know I love diving into a juicy fraud case with you, right? But check this out. There's a place where accountants get together and talk shop and share knowledge about everything accounting related, including stories about untamed financials. Oh, tell me more, Greg. At every single one of my state CPA society events, there's a mountain of practical insights and experience. You get to meet other accountants, share knowledge, and even hear some firsthand accounts of financial intrigue. And here's the kicker, Caleb. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better place for networking. I joined my state society as an undergrad during the depths of the Great Recession, and before I graduated, I had multiple job offers, all from firms that I connected with through my state society. Hey, that all sounds pretty good, Greg, but what else does a state CPA society bring to the table? Uh, They bring lifelong professional friendships, networking that'll turbocharge your career, and leadership opportunities. And on top of all that, your state CPA society is an unwavering advocate for you and for the profession. State CPA associations keep their fingers on the pulse of the constantly shifting business, regulatory, and legislative landscapes to keep you on the cutting edge and to protect the CPA profession. And as you know, protecting the profession means securing your livelihood. And hey, wherever you're tuning into the podcast from, be it the Palmetto State or some other state with a lamer nickname, there's a CPA association in your corner ready to ignite your accounting journey. If you're ready to find out why CPA Association membership is for you, head on over to ohmyfraud.promo slash SCACPA. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash SCACPA. She contacted the NCIS about Leonard. So so this commander's wife contacted NCIS about Leonard because her husband, uh, Michael, Misovitz accepted trips and prostitutes from Leonard. Not a great way <laughs> to have your wife really be in your corner. And on top of that, so listen, not only did not only did Fat Leonard give this guy Michael Misovich uh, trips and prostitutes, after that, he also gave Michael Misovich a Gucci purse to give to his wife, plus tickets to the Lion King in Tokyo as kind of like like I don't know. Like, hey, honey, I'm a good guy kind of gifts or like, hey, you might be suspicious. It's a smooth things over, you know, like a gentleman. (laughs) You bet. But the uh, the last. But but obviously, Marcy, Marcy had known there there was other infidelity that had been known to Marcy before this. And their, their marriage was not good. All this other stuff starts happening. He's hanging out with these shady people. And the last straw for Marcy Misovich was when her husband, Michael, Commander Michael Misovich, took their kids along with him to a meal with Fat Leonard and some of Fat Leonard's cronies. That pissed her off, beyond pissed off. And so because of that, just... You know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So she she found everything she could that was incriminating to her husband, and she dropped it off on the desk of somebody in the NCIS. 
And this included communications that her husband had with with Leonard, and it also included communications that her husband had had with this former mistress. Are you ready for another fun fun Navy fact, Caleb? I, I, I am thoroughly enjoying the fun Navy facts. Adultery is a court-martiable offense in the U.S. military. Did you know I, that? I n- absolutely did not know that. Now you do. And it's not, And this is like, I, I researched this on some Department of Defense uh, website, says the maximum punishment for adultery slash extramarital sexual conduct is a dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of all pay and allowances, and confinement for up to one year. You could go to jail for a year and lose your pension for having adultery in the in the Navy. But it hmm. turns out <laughs> NCIS was way more interested in the Leonard stuff than they were in the philandering stuff. So uh, the mole, John Beliveau, told Leonard about the Misovich situation because that's what that's what John Beliveau found when he was digging around was like, oh, shit. Not only did they bug one of your employees, there's also this commander's wife who gave over a lot of incriminating shit to the NCIS on you. So so the mole, bon, John Beliveau, told Leonard about that. And John Beliveau, who works for this basically intelligence agency within the Navy, he he was like coaching Leonard and he says, hey, man, this is some bad stuff. And so Leonard, don't under absolutely no circumstances should you contact Commander Misovich because that's a bad move and it's going to just go against you. So because of that, Leonard promptly contacted Commander Misovich and <laughs> about and not he didn't just contact him. He like emailed him going, hey, I heard that your wife is turning over some stuff to the NCIS. And then this is where the story gets so fun because uh, Commander Mishevich's email was currently being surveilled by the NCIS. So they saw the email from Leonard telling (laughs) Mishevich about... The stuff that Mrs. Mitsovich gave the NCIS and they go, there's, he can't. And so the NCIS was like, like there's Leonard has an informant inside the NCIS. Yeah. So NCIS goes to their cybersecurity team and they're like, Hey, you got to figure out what the hell's going on here. And the, the NCIS cybersecurity team tracked everything back to John Beliveau. But they didn't confront John Beliveau yet. Instead, what they did is they planted fake info into their server that said, hey, this Fat Leonard investigation, we're closing it down. Nothing to see here. It's just going to going to bed like it had 27 times before. So Beliveau saw the fake info. He bought the he he believed the fake info. He told Leonard that, hey, it's been dropped. We're off the hook. That was a close call. Uh, but we're good. And so Leonard being, you know, so Leonard obviously relaxed his guard and he uh, took a trip to San Diego, California, United States of America to pitch some new contracts to the Navy. Uh, but when he got to uh, San Diego, California, United States of America, he got, uh, he got apprehended. So Fat Leonard apprehended in 2013. And he made a plea deal in 2015 and he started snitching on everybody. Okay. 
Prosecutors claim that Leonard's corruption scheme cost the Navy $35 million, but it's got to be more than that, right? It's got to be way more than that. My, my, again, this is sort of a gut feeling. This wasn't a spreadsheet calculation that I made, but <laughs> right. my, my gut, my gut saying it was like 10 times that, but, yeah. but again, we've, and we've talked about this in so many cases. I, I bet you that's just that the Navy can prove $35 million. Right. So right. yeah. So yeah. So fat Leonard figures, well, I'm going down. Why not take some high-ranking naval officers with me? Yeah, um, drag, more drag th- some people with me. Why not? Uh, more than two dozen naval officers have pleaded guilty in this case to taking bribes and defra- defrauding the U.S. Navy. Uh, Rear Admiral Robert Gillow was sentenced to 18 months in prison, making him the first ever Navy admiral incarcerated for a federal crime. That's something. That's um, a big something, yeah. Seven other admirals have also been disciplined or censured by the Navy. Which Pat is Leonard's, also yeah. a big damn deal. Seems like a big I deal. Mean, yeah, that's gen I mean, cause and that's the thing. Like if it said generals, you you might swallow your gum, but an admiral yep. is basically this the, the equivalent of a general just in the Navy. So that's right. that's insane. Yeah. Uh, Fat Leonard spent four years in so during this time he he's doing time he spends four years in prison but then he's released on house arrest because he's diagnosed with kidney cancer and so he's finally so he does all this cooperating with prosecutors and he's finally going to be sentenced in september of of 2022 september 22nd of 2022 and on september 4th 2022 he cut off his ankle bracelet and disappeared <laughs> Exactly. It was crazy. He, he El Chapo'd his way out of his, uh, I mean, uh, he didn't dig like tunnels or anything, but he, he what if he, he did, he, he, well, they didn't find it. Oh, they, they didn't talked find about tunnels. that. Okay. If they, yeah. They would have yeah, talked about it. Yeah. They totally would have, but still the guy, the guy just bounced out of house arrest. What? 18 days before yeah. it was go time. Yep. And Leonard was then recaptured on his Sentencing date, September 22nd, 2022, at an airport in Venezuela. Apparently, he had fled from San Diego to Mexico, from Mexico to Cuba, and from Cuba to Venezuela. A real Carmen San Diego kind of situation going <laughs> Very on. Very much here. so. Very much so. Uh, he was about to board a flight to Russia where the compromising information that he had, right, uh, and, and either other top secret info. Uh, would probably be very valuable to the Russian intelligence. And he's, as of this recording, he's he's currently being detained in Venezuela. But extradition's on hold because, uh, you know, Venezuela and the U.S. kind of a strained relationship. So, <laughs> Greg... Did we learn anything? This is a this is a corruption scandal. No, very little, yeah. Very little debits and credits going on here, right? But but you know, not everyone who listens to this show is an accountant. But uh, but corruption, pretty fun, pretty fun fraud corruption. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so and what did we learn? I, I mean, I, that's what I'm asking. It, right, and and, and I, I'm excited to to get to a corruption case, especially one that's as like legit. This is arguably my new favorite fraud case that we've covered. And I don't want to discount the fact that it is a corruption 
uh, scheme because even if you look at the ACFE when they're talking about um, when they're when they're top, talking about fraud, they they break it down into three general categories, which is financial statement fraud. We've tackled those yep. uh, m- asset misappropriation, which is basically embezzlement. We've tackled a lot of those, yep. and they also list corruption. So this mm-hmm. is this this is definitely in the wheelhouse of fraud examiners. It's it should be in the wheelhouse of accountants as well because this stuff does go on in in u.s companies and we need to be aware of it there's paper Um, trails right yeah like if there's a paper trail then it can be then it can be accounted for that's what i'm saying right right well and here's here's where i mean i feel like this a, a corruption case is basically just a supercharged fake invoice scheme at least at least leonard's corruption scheme was that because mm-hmm. because in a in a in a fake invoice scheme you send in either an inflated invoice or just a completely false invoice yep. and you just are sitting there crossing your fingers and holding your breath that they're just going to pay it and not ask any questions which happens a lot which is actually I mean if you want to dig back deep that was kind of what we were talking about with the uh, pirate toner printer toner pirate king that's episode, it. Our very first episode. Yep. Yeah, because they were sending these in, these inflated invoices yes. and just hoping that people wouldn't look into it. So that's but but here the difference with a corruption scheme, and this is why it's supercharged, is that you're not crossing your fingers hoping that nobody finds out about it. You know that they know that it's <laughs> that it's inflated, and you just are going, yeah, I gave you some bribes, so this is gonna go through and. So, so that's that's one of the things that I feel like I learned was just how corruption could really just be seen as like a tweak of a pretty normal fraud scheme, anyways. But I think this is a more important thing that I that I learned was the weird relationship that's born out of bribery. Because if you look at what happened in the Fat Leonard scam, obviously Fat Leonard's in deep shit for yeah. bribing the Navy, but the people accepting the bribes are in equally deep shit or at least close to equally deep. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. in trouble, but both sides. And so the, there's this weird bond that then is born between these people where it's like, if I snitch on you, I'm snitching on me. So yeah, these invoices mm-hmm. are good. And that's, that's how, so it wasn't even that Leonard had to like put a lot of pressure on these people that he had relationships with, it was just that everybody knew that everybody had dirt on everybody. So let's just not, let's just pay the invoices and call it good because you, and especially when it gets as personal as this stuff was getting, where it's like, not only do I know that I paid you a lot of money, I know that he, that I, I would, I saw you at the orgy that I was at. (laughs) having sex with someone who was not, these were not, your wife was not at this orgy. I, I checked IDs and your wife was not there. So you're not just, not just financially busted. You're personally decimated if this goes South. So there's this weird, I mean, so you almost have like a lot of confidence that your essentially false invoice scheme is going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, man. And then uh, the the third thing, and this is a little, this is a little, uh, a little bit in the minutia of Fat Leonard's house arrest, uh, but I found that part, and, and this was uh, my understanding of how the house arrest worked, was that 
like we said, Leonard was, he was incarcerated after, you know, he was incarcerated while they were waiting for his, for him to be convicted. He was incarcerated after his plea deal while he was still supposedly cooperating and helping the, the helping bust all these other people who were involved in the whole thing. But when he was released to house arrest because of his health conditions, what the court did is they ordered Fat Leonard to pay for his own security. He had to pay for the guards who were there to make sure that Leonard stayed inside his house. Yep. Which I get that because the U.S. taxpayers probably don't want to pay for guards when this guy, had, like we were saying, maybe has 10 times the amount of money that they can prove that he stole mm-hmm. from the Navy. That he, So it's like, you got, you got plenty of money. We know you got plenty of money. You can pay for these guards. But, of course, that because the, the day that he escaped, the guards didn't stop him from escaping. And, and Caleb, there's even... There's even talk that there was some like U-Haul vans there the day before he escaped. And it's like, where the hell were these guards? They were gone because Leonard was fucking paying. He was he was writing them their checks for that. So he's probably like, hey guys, you know, I'm I'm paying this whole thing. You know it's cool? Thursday off. You guys, you get you get Thursday off, Everybody. buddies. You know, Everybody. and and and, and, a, and the guy's a he, he's a wheeler dealer and a schmoozer. He was he was probably all of his guards best friend while he was there. And so here's what I was thinking as I go, that's so analogous to the stuff that we bitch about, like every single podcast about companies hiring their own auditors. And it's the same thing. If you've got, if you've got a shitty uh, company that's wanting to get away with stuff there and they're hiring the person that's supposed to narc them out. They can definitely leverage that relationship to, to make sure that they come off clean in the end. Do you want to know if I, learned what about anything? you, K- Caleb? Yes. Did you, what were the things that you learned? Caleb? I, I, I think this is just what it underscores for, what this story underscores for me, at least like if you bring it back to how it's relevant for, you know, the accountants listening out there or just anyone yeah. listening. Cause again, yeah. We like we 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 have a broad audience, Greg. But yeah, the and you touched on. I think you touched on this a little bit. So hopefully, I'm not repeating you too much. But the fine line between bribing and the ordinary course of business. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, if you're an auditor and you've got a client and you'd like to take that client out to dinner because you're just can you're you're conducting this in the ordinary course of business because this is occasionally what happens between people yeah or or say it's a prospect forget about being a client say you're an auditor and you're wooing a client you're like oh in the order ordinary course of business i would like to buy this person a cup of coffee or take them to a fancy dinner or like bring them to a ball game or whatever it's like that's okay i mean i know there's rules around this stuff and like but it's also a very like where where does the line get crossed? Yeah. Like when yeah. does the SEC say mm, that's a bribe or that impairs independence or right. that is that that's what we consider to be illegal behavior or where you're just like hey people just go into a ball game and join client and client and and service provider or prospect and potential service provider these are just people acting in an ordinary course of business there's nothing untoward here it's right. just like the situations can look very very similar. And except for one, like one tiny detail, then it tips over into corruption versus not being corruption. Right. A a very interesting quote from Fat Leonard 
is he because again he's his whole goal at at the time when the interviews that the different organizations had with him he it was while he was in house arrest so his whole mission in life is to drag people down with him so he very but in this in this conversation he says a thousand dollar a plate meal that's absolutely a bribe i was a hundred percent giving you a bribe and he says this wasn't some meal from mcdonald's for ten dollars this was a thousand dollar a plate michelin meal and i think that speaks to what you're saying because i think everybody would go yeah if he'd taken them to mcdonald's that's not a bribe and yeah a thousand dollar plate meal a hundred percent a bribe but what but what you're saying is there's a big gap between those and where's the tipping point between them and it's like "Mm, don't know don't know because my 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 the bank that i bank with they want to they they keep offering me uh utah jazz tickets during the season to go and and watch the jazz and I don't accept them, not on principle, more because uh, I'm not a sports guy. Uh, but but <laughs> now I feel smug that I'm like I resisted their bribes uh, and and their corruption. That's right. I don't know. Maybe you should just go to see watch a basketball game sometime and feel yeah. like and go and just be like and report back and be like I felt very corrupted. I feel like I feel like yeah I. I <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm right. going to give these bankers everything. I'm going to give them we, all my business. We now. should just we we could do a live episode, and the whole totally. time is me just going. I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Are they paying for these hot dogs? The prices of these hot dogs is clearly this inflated. Is a, this I is a twelve dollar hot dog. This, this, is tw- this is if this was a if this was a buck fifty Costco hot dog, that'd be fine. But this is fifteen dollars. Ridiculous. And they threw in the nachos. All right, so that's it for this episode. Remember, if your spouse is cheating on you, just have them enlist in the Navy and get their ass thrown in jail. That's good advice. And also remember, new episodes of NCIS air every Monday night on CBS. (laughs) Yeah, I've never watched the show, but I hope that every episode includes a mole in the NCIS and a bad guy nicknamed Fat Somebody. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. Caleb, where can people find you out there in internet land? On Twitter at CNewquist and LinkedIn, my full name, backslash Caleb Newquist. Greg, how can people get a hold of you? People can get a hold of me at my OnlyFans page, uh, <laughs> at Greg Kite, uh, where I am, uh, I'm basically just doing basic bookkeeping and wearing no bottoms, but you can only see the webcam that shows my top half, but let your imagination do the work. Seems worthwhile. Oh, my fraud is written by Greg Kite and myself. Our producer is Zach Frank. If you like the show, leave us a review. Did you hear the review at the beginning of this show? Greg Kite can mm-hmm. read your review. Wouldn't that be thrilling? So thrilling. Also, share the show with people you love or your worst enemy, whoever. It helps, you know, these, these, this is how people find podcasts. That's what I'm trying to say. Also, subscribe yeah. on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for the accountants out there, listen on Earmark. Get some CPE. Nothing corrupt about that at all. Nope. Nope. Join us next time for more avarice swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say, Oh, my fraud. Oh, my fraud.